It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your host, J.D. Harris and friends are getting the discussion together. So it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of the man cave, J.D. Harris and friends. Yo, 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 what's crack a everybody out there? Uh, we are here on the man cave, just getting ready to kick this thing off right before uh, Thanksgiving. I mean, it's just been sports has been kick butt again. Um, but before I go any further into this conversation, I got to introduce one of my ace boom coon way back in the day. Well, Keegan Fry. Uh, we shared the last name, no relation. Um, I have my boy Jason J. Boo Harris. What's going on, J. Bizzle? Uh, what's up, family? We're not related, but we're family, man. It's my pleasure to be here today. I've uh, been waiting a while to get on, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity finally, you know, to sit down and chop it up with you. Absolutely, absolutely. I know I'm a little bit off with my Facebook Live right now, everybody, so y'all got to just bear with me. But, um, Jason, first of all, I don't know if you know, going back home, since you're in Houston now, correct? Correct. You didn't go back home for, you're not going back home for Thanksgiving because I was supposed to be there with you. So right. uh, uh, last year, were you, did you come back to Chicago uh, for Thanksgiving? I came back for Christmas, not for Thanksgiving. Okay. So yeah. anyway, they have the takeover weekend, so everybody's been battling about what school is better and who's the best. So, you know, I had to walk around today. Uh, I mean, if you're on Facebook Live, you'll see I'm rocking the West Raiders to represent because I can't even say I was fully, uh, ever fully bought into the whole Bulldog thing personally. Uh, It was just, I mean, when you were, when it was West Campus, it was just a different deal. And then, you know, you, you got polluted by the time you came. Well, I, I, I'm, I was right on that that year where we were West, but we were Bulldogs. So I, I, I have that weird, you know, bridge between the Raiders and the Bulldogs. But, you know, I still got love for the Raiders side. But, you know, okay. at the end of the day, it's about that Bulldog life. Well, you hey, you were going to be a Raider anyway. You know that, right? So, oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you're in Raider District. Uh, yeah, I so was, anyway. you know, I was I started off at West when they were still split up, so I was you know right up the street, as you know, you know. So definitely, it was all about being a Raider before they changed that up. Well, our next segment we'll have our boy on uh, Reese, but I I don't know if you followed it, but the t- whole takeover game where they have uh, takeover weekend. Where they had the Raiders, the the ZBs, the Bulldogs, uh, and the Warhawks. Have you been following that? Is this like the one they had last year with all the old heads uh, play ball? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobody nobody came out hurt. So yeah. hey, that that in itself is a blessing. That that's that's big. That's big. Yeah, I know. I, I, if I would have even thought about playing something, it was going to be a wrap. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I could just think about it and I'm going to pull something already. So I'm going yeah. I'm to I'm I'm definitely follow it, man. Because who won last year? Well, North Chicago won last year. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing North Chicago won with my cousin Sean, who right. went to North Chicago, what, freshman, sophomore year? Yeah. Yeah. And graduated Mundelein. So they were important players. Correct. Right. You know, no IHSA involvement, stuff like that. Yeah, but, all kind of all kind of rules was broken on that one. But thinking about uh, or speaking of IHSA, you see the whole thing going on uh, with Fenwick. That was crazy. That was that was crazy. Now, so I, I, I'll talk- give my I'll give my take on it. Yeah, I uh, want your take. Number one, you know, the refs should never be allowed to ref another playoff game ever. You know, number one, for for misapplying a rule. That's something. It wasn't a judgment call. It wasn't, you know, 
uh, something that it could have went either way. This was clearly a misapplication of the rule. So number one, they should not be allowed to ever coach, I mean, ever ref another playoff game. However, to overturn a game that was eventually settled in overtime, I, I, that's a stretch. I don't think you can do that. You kind of have to, you know, it sucks. It sucks for the, it sucks for uh, Fenwick, but at the end of the day, you know, that's part of the game. It, yeah, that's yeah. part of life. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I would say this: you, if that game would have been overturned. Uh, by the court, you were opening yourself up to a slippery slope as it pertained to other and future cases. Uh, you know, like, for example, let's just say they overturn it, but then a couple weeks later, or, I mean, next season, is a game that some stuff happened in the third quarter that could have, out, you know, determined the outcome of a game where the game could have been, like, you know, 7-6 or whatever. Yeah. And you just, it's like, where does it stop? And right. so I'm, I hate to say this, you know, and I feel for the kids because the, that's who it hurts the most. But at the same time, here's a life lesson for the kids. Sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way or things just don't go your way. There are things, and there's a thing called human error. No matter how many times that we try to prevent it, it's just that's the way it goes sometimes. And you just have to deal with it. And from my understanding, the rule is that the ref's call on that is final. Yeah. So if it's final, you know, that's the rule. Even if they messed up, the rule is their mess up is part of the game. Yeah. So now, instead of maybe enhancing, you know, the officiating, things like that, you know, which I think is a better approach, you just don't want to get into wasting, first of all, our taxpaying money to... Mm -hmm going in court and you know then the next thing you have some parents saying well this messed up my kids opportunity to go to college you know it just goes on and on and on and i mean you coach high uh you coach football what's football like for you coaching in texas versus maybe you know we coach together as mm -hmm. well as play together we coached in illinois and texas so what is it like uh, out there in Texas for you. Well, I, I, I was saying where they where, the, where people say the cliche that football is king down here. That 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 truly is the case. Uh, football takes precedent over uh, all aspects of of athletics for certain, um, and sometimes even academics. I mean, I mean, football is 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 huge. Um, you know, here we, I actually coach junior high. Okay. And so here in Texas, UIL, which is the officiating body in Texas, similar to IHSA in Illinois, UIL athletics starts in seventh grade. So, okay. um, you know, it, it, it starts early it, it and it, it's serious. It's taken seriously. Like you have a real program in junior high. Um, so, I mean, like, when you say, how does that differ from, like, uh, Illinois? Well, I, in, in <laughs> Illinois, typically, you're still playing club ball in 7th and 8th grade. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that was one market difference. Another thing is there's really um, emphasis on feeder programs, whereas a junior high school feeds into certain high schools and – there's kind of a continuity between programs that you see. Um, and so you have in my, you know, based on my experience coaching and, and playing in Illinois, you're going to have kids who have a lot more experience. Um, by the time they get to the varsity level down here in Texas, oftentimes than you have in, in, in Illinois, I won't say that there's going to be, um, Talent-wise, you know, I mean, there is a lot of talent just because there's so many kids playing football down here. But okay, it's, it's okay. a lot of it is the experience and the coaching that they're getting at an early age down here, which really takes Texas over the top in terms of football. So now, like with the Texas junior high school coaches, so mm -hmm. then the school provides, like the equipment is not a pop, a pop, uh, pop Warner or a park district, and are the coaches paid? 
Yeah, oh yeah. It's a full stipend, just like a high school coach. I mean, you don't make as much, of course, as a varsity high school or you know, you get you get paid similar to a sub varsity coach in high school. Um the uh equipment is all provided by the district. Um, you know, we actually play on the high school field, you know, like the um there's there's actually four teams on each level because there's an A team, a B team, and usually two C teams. And usually the A and B team will play at the high school um, on the on the on the big stadium. And the stadiums here are absolutely gargantuan. They're, they're, they're absolutely that that that's one thing that shocked me when I came down here. You had yeah, big yeah. stadiums with turf, big um, huge uh, uh, replay, you know, tele. You know, mm-hmm. monitors and all that type of stuff. So it's it's pretty serious. Yeah, I've actually had the chance, uh, was fortunate to do some things like some clinics and things like that, and uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I was just like, I looked at my college and I looked like that. I was mm-hmm. like, man, it's yeah. tougher. I I might want to go back to high school and <laughs> play in high school in Texas. Um, it's just, you know, it's just amazing the difference. But yeah. uh, when we we're gonna go on break for a second, we we'll get back. We should have restart. I'm gonna talk some other things. So um, we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we are back. Uh, we have Maurice back on. He, he came and uh, what's going on, Maurice? Man, nothing much, man. How's everything going with you? It's going well, brother. It's going well. Uh, we got Maurice, Jason on here. Jay, you still there? Oh, that's right. Jay yeah, went off for a quick break. So yeah, anyway, um, we're here in the man cave. It is just, man, it's nothing like having the hometowners. I, back in the day, about this time, we would all be getting together, uh, con- congregating over uh one of another's houses, and so I guess technology is bringing us all closer together. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I used to be in my mom's crib, and you swing through, get some potato salad or whatnot. Yeah. Hey, oh, oh, I have never died. I was thinking, I was like, man, I wish I could get on a flight right now, bro. 
<laughs> so anyway, I know Reese, you've been following. I know you've been watching basketball. What's going on in the basketball world, brother? Man, you know what? Not nothing much. I mean, it's still you know really early in the season. I mean, if you're talking NBA, uh, some teams are still trying to find out who they are. But you know, there's some surprises early on. Uh, number one is the Lakers. Uh, they're playing a say. lot better than uh, a lot of people anticipated. And uh, in the East Eastern Conference, Charlotte has been uh, playing well, even though I think they've dropped a, a few of their last uh, game, last few games. But you know, we'll see how those two teams, you know, pan out. You know, it's still early. Teams are still find, trying to, uh, you know, find an identity. Uh, the Bulls being one of them. I have uh, my my own opinion on them after last night's debacle. But, uh, so share, you know. share, share that opinion. I, I want to hear, I mean, you are our, our basketball guru, so go ahead and talk them up a little bit. Well, <clears throat> I mean, quite, quite simply, I, I stated this a while ago, the Bulls have an athleticism problem, especially when you start, you know, digging into the bench. You can't have McDerm- uh, McDermott, who's been out the last couple of games with the concussion, uh, under the concussion protocol, but you can't have him and uh, Miritic on the floor at the same time. And then you, you couple that with uh, Bobby Porters, who had a you know pretty decent rookie year, but I think that he's already reached his ceiling, and, and that ceiling being primarily because he, he doesn't have the athleticism to really compete uh, at that power, power forward position. Um, so you look at the Bulls, I think they have a starting lineup that can match up with anybody in the league, but their Achilles heel, which is different than what it was under the Thibodeau uh, era, especially in the earlier years, the bench strength was was the was what took you know put them over the hump in most cases. Whereas this year you really don't have that, and I'm afraid that you know with Miritic, who's been very very mediocre, if if you could say that, he's not athletic enough. And then McDermott, you know, he, he's a shooter, he's a scorer, but on, defensively, he's a liability. So you can't have both of those guys and Porters on the floor at the same time, getting a, getting a bunch of minutes. So do you anticipate uh, any early season or trades going on, like especially like with the Bulls and, you know, them bolstering their uh, roster? It's hard. It's hard to say right now because you know there is talent spread throughout. I know Philadelphia is sitting on a few young pieces and Minnesota as well. But you know my problem primarily is with uh, Fred Hoiberg and his substitution patterns because he has some people on the bench that are capable of you know putting putting in some good minutes. Uh, Felicio for you know for for one who played extremely well down the stretch last year, he's hardly getting any tick now, which is crazy to me because he's that beast, that that action guy that they really need to go after loose balls, those 50-50 balls. And then uh, last week uh, you saw Grant uh, start a couple of games, and he played pretty well, and now he's falling to the back of the bench again with Rondo being back in there. So, I think you have a couple of pieces that you can use, but Hoiberg, you know, he's having some issues with his substitution patterns, and and the same thing happened last year as well. I mean, real fast, um, what do you think about Minnesota? Do you think uh, that's going to be a team to reckon with sooner rather than later? I think, you know, we'll see what happens because – They have a lot of good pieces, and Wiggins has taken this game to another level. He's starting to shoot the J with consistency now. But uh, and and you got uh, you you got some very very good talent on that team. The problem is, you know, they're playing in a Western Conference that, even though it's not as great as it has been in the last couple of years. It's still, I think, overall better than the Eastern Conference. And they've gotten off to a slow start. And the question is, 
how are these guys going to respond down the line when when you know the the Thibodeau regime, the Thibodeau coaching style begins to wear on them? Are, are they going to wear out physically, mentally, and emotionally, or will they rise to the occasion and, and get better? You know, game after game after game. So I think uh, going forward, the first thing that they have to do is learn how to win games. You know, Jason, learn how what, to close out games. Jason, what do you think about like? I mean, one thing that Reese brought up was Thibodeau and how he puts the stress on players. But do you think he could get away with it with a younger roster? What's your thoughts? Well, I, I think I think it makes it more difficult with a younger roster because simply because it's more of a, a, a generational thing, attitude thing that that old school style of coaching that Thibodeau has. Um, does not really fit <laughs> the way a lot of these kids come up through the AAU circuit where they can do what they want to. Um, everybody's a star. Um, you know, that mentality that they grew up with. Having that Thibodeau type of uh, pressure, uh, you know, to, to be uh, defensively minded is going to be tough for them. However, if they do buy into that, being that they do have the physical ability, you know, with their youth to maybe sustain that throughout a season, I think Minnesota can go pretty far. But it's it's all going to be, you know, who, who's going to step up on that team as a leader and buy into what Thibodeau's doing and get the rest of the team to buy in as well. And so going off of, you know, what you were saying a little bit, Jason, I think the same thing is on another note is happening with Texas, uh, University of Texas football with Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, he came in there, you know, he set the rules, he set the foundation and really had to clean up a lot of muck, uh, for a lack of better terms. And, you know, I don't know, it seems like the guys have still bought into him. They're just not very good. And yeah. so I don't know if you guys have followed what's happened with the whole deal with them having him do the dead man's walk press conference not knowing if that was his last game or not. Uh, have you guys been following that at all? Yeah, I actually read something that he could actually save his job possibly with a win over TCU this weekend. Um, you know, one of the sports writers was saying that it's a possibility. Um, if Texas wins, the Longhorns are going to be bowl eligible. They'll be 6-6, six and six, um, you know, with the roster that's going to return 37 of the 44 uh you know that for next year, that that could make them that that could be what they need to get over the hump. I, and then and then you gotta think about it. Who are you gonna bring into Texas? Texas has high expectations. Um, you know, similar to, you know, really at one time Alabama, it was on that level. Um, I think what Charlie Strong needs uh, is a strong recruiting class, and I think he needs time to get his system implemented. A lot of the time that he spent was cleaning up the mess, and he needs a time to build his program. I think if they let him go now, it's, it's too premature because it was Texas was in bad shape for a long time before before Charlie Strong got here. And, and the same thing, what I'm afraid of, it kind of reminds me of Ty Willingham or just mm-hmm. even what we're seeing, Strong's ability to recruit. If you go and you look at what he left Louisville with, you know, uh, he left them with a full tank. And so I feel like he's one of those guys that he comes in and he shocks and changes the culture. But now, unfortunately, he can't receive, you know, the fruits of his labor. And mm-hmm. that's that's my concern. But then on the flip side, you can say, yeah, but look at Jim Harbaugh. He's come over to places and within a year or two, he's changed the whole culture. You know, he's done that with Stanford. He's done that with San Diego. He's done that with Sanford, uh, University of San Diego. He's done that with San Francisco, and now he's doing it with Michigan. Right. Well, you know, Michigan, if you look at it in terms of recruiting, um, you're going to have your pick at a litter, you know what I'm saying, in Michigan because, you know, regionally, you know, you only have so many teams in the Big Ten. Here, you got teams pulling, you know, talent from all kinds of schools. You got U of H, you got A&M, you got Baylor. You got a lot of teams coming for, you know, at least Texas talent 
you know, uh, going going for those those top kids. Uh, you know, Michigan is always going to get their kids, and I think um, Harbaugh was is probably. I think where he has an advantage over Charlie Strong is he's an excellent recruiter, number one. Um, And and, and number two, Michigan um, is going to sell itself, even though Texas is a great program. But I think Michigan, even more so, is going to sell itself to a lot of the top tier players. Reese, I mean, would you say that Charlie Strong has a I mean, uh, Harbaugh is a better recruiter than Strong? No, no, I, I wouldn't say that, actually. We have to look at it like this. <clears throat> you know, Michigan and, and Texas, they're like apples and oranges. You, you can't really compare the two because, as Jason said, you know, the the recruiting landscape is, is more ripe and not in terms of, like, uh, uh, numbers and competitiveness, but Michi- in the state of Michigan itself, they're really just competing with Michigan State. Now, they're also competing with Ohio State and other regional schools. But what you have with Texas, and no, and no one's really talking about this, is everybody in the Big 12 has gotten better when you consider Baylor, when you consider TCU, when you consider uh, even uh, Oklahoma State that, that have, have become more competitive. Uh, and now you have... Texas A&M will jump to the SEC, that's even more attractiveness. And, and like Jason said, with Houston and Tom Herman, and, and if I'm Tom Herman, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Texas is going to throw a lot of money at him, but I don't want to deal with the mess of having to go through uh, boosters and, 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 and these, these oil uh, moguls to, to satisfy. Yeah. <clears throat> and I well, think that's... We'll, we'll come back and talk about that. We're going to go on to break real fast, and we'll continue on the subject a little bit before we get into the NFL. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back, and we were just talking about the whole situation uh, with Charlie Strong and Texas. And uh, Reese, you're you're. I wanted you to finish your thought real fast regarding that. Well, with Charlie Strong, yeah, I realized <clears throat> he was set up to fail from the beginning. You know, when you have boosters who, you know, on day one say, "Oh, he's basically not the man for the job. He could be a coordinator, he could be a position coach, but he shouldn't be the head coach here." I mean, he's set up for failure because, you know, we, we all know words have power, but they have a tendency to, sh- to, to shift and shape people's opinions off the bat. So I see it as he was a dead man walking to begin with. Now, if he was given the proper amount of time to really, cha- like you said, change the culture of the, of the, of the, of the school, of the, of the team, and, and given the time to bring in his guys and, and get this thing rolling like he did at Louisville, I mean, then we can have a different discussion. But he, he, he was never given a, 
uh, opportunity to see su- to su- uh, succeed there from the beginning. So speaking about opportunity, you look at Notre Dame, and has Brian Kelly not had nine lives with you know all the different things that have transpired during his tenure at Notre Dame, and now uh, with them looking into uh, forfeiting the 2012-2013 season. I mean, uh, Jay, Jay, have you followed that at all? Have you looked to sell that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, <laughs> if he if he keeps his job uh, longer, then, you know, that, that that really says a lot about, you know, I, you know, of course, we're all stuck on the tie. Well, that was, that was Washington, but that really, you know, why would you keep someone who is has controversy and on top of that, he's not performing? Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Reese, what about you? What's your thoughts on it? Well, you know what? With, with this, <clears throat> I don't think <clears throat> I don't think. Um, we can really, you know, crucify him for this because if this was something that happened outside of his knowledge, then that's one thing. My my thing is he's an overrated coach to begin with. I I, I see. I, I look at that more so than anything. You know, this whole situation with uh, you know cheating on exams, a uh, uh, student uh, was a student teacher or whatever uh, trainer. Yeah helping out uh, some other kids and some other improprieties. You know, I, I really, if, if he legitimately didn't know about it, you know, we have to take his word for it. But my whole, you know, focus is, you know, what have you done for me lately? And, well, you know, after this, especially after that fluke of a season in 2012. Well, and my other thing is, is like plausible deniability with him. It's just like he every time there's a situation there, uh, I mean, to me, the the term or the phrase lack of institutional control starts to take place a little bit with the different things throughout his tenure. I mean, yeah, that's there's been multiple scandals. I mean, that's the problem. You know, you have multiple issues with uh, different academic impropriety and people taking test exams for other kids. So that shows, like, like you said, there's a lack of control of your program. If you didn't know about it, you should have known about it. You know, you kind of have to have a, a kind of a pulse on the heartbeat of your program. So that shows if you have a pattern of these type of things happening, then there's some 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 loose uh, lugs in your in your system that you need to tighten up. And what you know, you what concerned me is when he made the statement, uh, like half of our kids have issues, like academic issues. And you never, ever heard that come out of Notre Dame. You know, the people that I was fortunate to work with uh, throughout my tenure in the NFL that came from Notre Dame, they were all what you would call like former Duke student athletes. And, you know, they didn't play around, even with Lou Holtz. Randy Moss actually qualified to get into Notre Dame. He's not a dumb dude. And so for him to just go and say, well, all of our kids struggle, well, that's an indictment coming right in. Why are you even bringing him in? Yeah, I mean, he's at, you know, they're risking of of vacating, you know, the the year that they, you know, went to the national You know what I mean? And so... That I mean that that in itself just in, in a four and seven season you have uh, Notre Dame with academic issues that's really just taking the program in the wrong direction um, and so if I were um, had a vested interest in Notre Dame I would definitely be looking to to move him. Well, and thinking about vested interest, I think the NFL needs to take a vested interest in the NFL officiating. Uh, you see what's going on. I mean, with your home team right now, I guess I'll call them your home team uh, since you're in Houston. But the, yeah. the game, the Texans and the Raiders. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Boo? I, I, think, I, I think, man, somebody paid them dudes, man. You know what I mean? I, I, they must have had some, 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 some mafia ties down there because uh, that, was, that was a poorly officiated game. You know, like uh, this. I think there's more fans uh, in Mexico of the Raiders 
then oh, attacks. That was already that was already known. They already knew when they were going into that game, it was gonna be like you're going into Oakland. Uh Mexico is has a huge Oakland Raiders contingency. And so they were they were definitely going into a hostile situation. Um and, and they really they really had home uh Raiders had home field advantage with the officials. Yeah. I felt like a fair game for that market would have been Raiders versus Dallas. Yes. Then you would have had, Absolutely. You would have had a split game. What, what was that reason? No, I, I agree. I mean, probably the two biggest fan bases uh, in Mexico is, uh, you know, Oakland and uh, Dallas, you know, for historical reasons. I mean, they're, you know, two teams that have been uh, <clears throat> stalwarts in the league for a long time, except for, you know, the, you know, recent, recent years, but, you know, that's why they're so popular down there. Yeah, it's, it's, it was an interesting game and, you know, you go back and forth and some people say, how could they improve? Well, I believe they can improve because whatever you've had pressure on you to lose your job, all of a sudden, if you're full time, you are working, you are studying the calls, you're even kind of watching film of the up-and-coming game. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but one of the things I what I've heard is even within the Arizona Cardinals staff, they have a scouting report of the coaching, uh, of the officiating staff, that they're going in to know kind of what their tendencies are, what they call. Even though it's about to, uh, I mean, unfortunately, and I'm glad B.A. is all right, but I think, you know, a combination of that stuff going to send a man to the hospital. Hmm. Well, I think I think you see something similar to that, like in baseball, because, <clears throat> you know, teams, they don't they don't just scout the opposing teams. They they know how each umpire, you know, makes their calls at behind behind the plate, you know, whether they're more lenient to outside pitches, whether they, they'll give the high strike or whether whether they'll give the looping breaking ball. So, you know, similar to the NFL, I think you're going to see more and more talk about uh, teams preparing for the the specific officiating crew that's doing their game on the weekend, which, you know, I, I mean, personally, I, I'm, I'm from the mindset of, you know, we have all of this technology and we can't get calls right because there were calls that they reviewed. And they still didn't get the calls right the other day, so that's yeah. a problem in and of itself. Well, I think you know, you know, officiating is part of the game. You know, um, that's that's just something that you are not going to ever change. And, and like you said, we have all this technology. It's all based on. It's all subjective. You know, it's all based on how something looks to those particular officials, and it's going to look different to an official than it does. To us, looking uh, at home with the with the uh, the benefit of sitting on our couch with all kind of angles and commentary to look at a different play. So, I mean, officiating, you know, you're going to have blunders, mistakes, um, but at the same time, uh, we we definitely need to hold these officials to a higher standard um, than we've been getting in a lot of these games. I mean, and really. I I really got to work on mechanics to go back to the basics. Exactly. And I think you do just like, like what Fox has done, having like a Mike Pereira uh, look at the game and give a different uh, vantage point and looking at it. And I think someone from the league office should be watching the game. And if the, the, they can't make a clear decision there on the field, then you have backup official, officials that look at it and make, make the call based upon the rule book with because we have technology and we have the timing or they have with the speed to get up and be able to get the actual rule and go with it. So I, I just think now is the time to make sure that they uh, improve on it. But on another thing, on a lighter, funnier note, I think whoever plays the Baltimore Ravens, they better pray that they young defensive backs don't have to line up against Steve Smith. I don't know what Steve Smith is doing to these young boys, but <laughs> everybody is walking after the game 
going back to even like Jalen Ramsey. Man, I used to respect him. I can't stand dude. What is Steve Smith doing to these boys? He's old school. He's getting in their mental. You know, uh, he, he he got them on on skates. You know, even even at his age, man, he knows how to. He you know he doesn't have the speed that he used to have, but he understands. He's always been one to talk. I mean, that's just been him. He always had that bravado, and he's getting in these boys' heads, and it's working to his advantage. And he'll put hands on them. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he's physical. Yeah. No, 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 no. I no personal situations. Steve Smith <laughs> does not play. I'd be on or off the field. But here's the thing. He's one of those dudes, if you're on the side, he's a dude that is going to ride or die. He's actually a gentleman. But you cross him, he sounds like another short dude I know. He is ready mm-hmm. to go. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have, a, I have a great appreciation for Mr. Smith, senior. Uh, and these, these, young, these young cats aren't built like that, man. They, they get no, their no. feelings hurt. They get their feelings too quick. What they say, sister, hugs, all knee hugs. <laughs> what was that, Reese? Nah, it's, it's just a different day and age, man. It, we live in the age of the uh, too, too, uh, too much coddling, and I think you see that generation rising up, and they can't, you know, they they can't deal with, you know, somebody like Steve Smith and his and his, and his personality. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's def- definitely a hypersensitive group of young males, mm-hmm. and they're facing a grown man, and I think that's the difference. But uh, <laughs> speaking of differences, we're going to go take a break, and we're going to get into uh, somebody I'm very, I can't say I'm indifferent to, don't wish him ill, but we're going to talk a little bit about Jay Cuddy, uh-huh. but we'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so for those of you guys that did not get a chance to watch the Sunday night game with uh, Washington and Green Bay, my boy, Kirk Cousin, he clown, and he went cool D on him. He had to go. He had to go. How you like me now? He, he went cool D on the GM of the Red, uh, Redskins. And I hate calling the Redskins Washington. Um uh, Basically, he's like, hey, you wanted to disrespect me. You wanted to fr- franchise tag me, not sign me to a long-term deal. Guess what? I just beat probably the best, you know, if you're going to compare, the best quarterback in the NFL up until this season uh, in Aaron Rodgers. Now what? We're, we're basically in second place in the division with Dallas, who just has more moving, uh, better parts than we do. Now what? What you going to do? Who else you going to get? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what, uh, bringing up Dallas, we got we got a game tomorrow. That's going to oh, be yeah. something 
See. Yes, sir. That's you know, this is the first time. This is the first Thanksgiving that all the games that since 1935 Woo. that there all the games features teams above 500. First man. time since 1935. I can't wait. It's gonna be epic, man. I mean, I'm gonna have a plate plate on my lap on the <laughs> couch, watch, sitting down at the couch watching this game. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna be good, man. This is gonna be a Thanksgiving to remember. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, go ahead, Reese. I, I agree. You know, I, I've been anticipating this game since uh, since Monday night. <clears throat> you know, just looking at the the games that are on the doc docket, but uh, this Washington Dallas game is going to be one. Like, if if Kirk Cousin wants to prove that they need to pay him the money, you need to go into Dallas and handle your business. If not. You know, you still, you still quite, he's still questionable in my my eyes, you know, because, yeah, you know, he's strung a couple of games together. He did the same thing last year, too. You know what I'm saying? So prove to me with, you know, consistency that doesn't waver that you, you can be that, you know, that quarterback that can, you know, earn a five to six year deal. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Until he, until he does that, I, I'm not buying. Well, in, in his defense, his first season, I mean, really last year was the first time where he didn't have to look over his shoulder. Really, technically, this year. I mean, last year, they RG3's presence still there was kind of like he didn't respond like a deck. But I still think that Washington was going through a lot of internal issues um, in terms of who's in power, what's going on. Um, I would like to see their running game improve. And I think, but I would take Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think market value for what quarterbacks are going, I think he gives them an advantage. I don't think there's any, anyone that's better than uh, Kurt right now that they can get. I mean, you know? he's, he's hot and, and the way the league goes, man, if he's hot, you're going to pay him, you know, just just in case he does pan out, you know, you got to pay him because quarterbacks are definitely uh, a, a hot commodity. You know, it's really rare to get a good one these days. So, I mean, I think you just got to pay that man. If, if if he pans out and has a good season, they make the playoffs and he makes some noise, he's going to get his money. Put it like this, potentially it could be quarterbacks that are getting paid more than him that are sitting on the bench. You can look at possibly – Jay Cutler, you know, uh, you can look at Tony Romo. These are two guys that possibly could be on a on a bench, and Kirk Cousin could be making less than them. And I think that's I, I think a bird in the hand, in some cases, beats two in a bush. What, what's your thoughts with that, Reese? I, I think it's actually a damning indictment on the state of the quarterback play in the league. You know I that agree. some. That somebody like Kirk Cousins, well, you, they're, they're gonna somebody's gonna pay him money, you know, and it, it most likely is gonna be Washington. But when you, like you said, if you have you know quarterbacks like Jay Cutler who's been stealing money for years, you know Tony Romo who's just you know chronically hurt, but guys that are you know on the bench and then. You know, it's just so many mediocre quarterbacks throughout the league. Look what's, look what's happening with the Jets. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that would be a landing spot for, you know, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins if, if Washington decided to go in a different direction. But, you know, it's just – go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's just, it's just an indictment on how bad quarterback play overall is in the league. And well, I think – it goes back to the spread programs and, or, uh, you know, college doing the RPIs more and things like that. I think if I'm Chicago, I'm aggressively pursuing Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I'm aggressively pursuing him, and I'm still drafting one in the third round. And I think, you know, you also have the issue of these quarterbacks being grossly overpaid in these last, you know, decade or so. I mean, they're getting these these monstrous con- uh, contracts without proving themselves. And, you know, with the quarterback, it's you, your career can go downhill real quick. And then you got all this money sitting on 
uh, on the table that's still owed to you. And, you know, and you get and if you get hurt, you got you have a high probability of being hurt because everybody's coming after you every play. So I mean, it's just the nature of the business. You know, kind of is creating these garbage quarterbacks with these albatross contracts. Well, I would have to agree with that, and especially with the salary cap being what it is. And you have that central, I mean, you need someone, I think you don't want a shuffling of your quarterback. Uh, if you don't have stability there, then so goes your franchise. And to get someone that's going to be a, a benchmark there or, stay, uh, or a steady pay, face, I think that's uh, vital. And so with all that, first of all, man, uh, we got about a minute left. Real fast, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. What are you thankful for, Jay Boo? Man, I'm thankful for my for my family. I'm thankful for my health. Man, I'm just thankful for I'm thankful for y'all, man. My friends, family, man. I'm just thankful we're still here, man. Reese, life, <clears throat> the kids, my family. You know, uh, just just life, man. Just being able to wake up and breathe every day. The the little things that you know we don't you know consider. Yeah. Every day. Gotcha. And uh, last 10 seconds, I'm thankful, first of all, uh, to be alive, family and friends, and for our, our listeners tuning in. And also, I'm thankful thankful for Voice America, the staff there that's doing all the stuff, and my man, John Chambers, that does a lot of the stuff for nothing at all to make sure this ship uh, goes. I appreciate you all. And, hey, uh, my Walktown boys, uh, West Campus. Riders, man, I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And, man, you're just awesome. And so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hey, same to you, bro. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Friends on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon. Thank you.